Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program on SEN 1170 AM Sydney. Wherever you're tuning in, of course, across the network on the SEN app, it's Tuesday, the 7th of March. It's going to be another hot one again today. It was a scorcher yesterday, uncomfortable night as well. So tops of 34 in the city and 36 in our west. I'm looking for the best caller of the day this morning on 1300 01 1170 because I've got a double pass to give away to the Supercars Newcastle 500. So the championship season starting this Friday and across the weekend. And, of course, you can catch SEN Supercars coverage live from midday this Sunday on SEN and the SEN app. So a double pass to the Newcastle 500 for our best caller of the day on Team List Tuesday. Could our best caller, though, be our special guest? Because today on the program, Billy Moore will join me. All four Queensland teams winning in round one. He's still rolling around. Just, you know, cuddling the Queensland cushion that he's got, rolling around in his State of Origin jumper, thinking ahead to State of Origin this year after round one. All four Queensland teams getting it done. But you know what? One of them has to miss out this weekend because the Broncos are playing the Cowboys. So Billy Moore, my special guest on the morning show today, your job, therefore, is to try and outdo him as the best caller of the day. one three hundred oh one. 1170 and we'll send you off to the Newcastle 500, a new era for supercars. As I said, Team List Tuesday, so there's a fair bit for us to get through in terms of NRL news, both signings, what's going to happen later on uh, this afternoon with those teams for round two, and also the head injury assessment independent doctor. So more has transpired in the last 24 hours on that one. But first up, News out of the Gold Coast Titans, David Fafita is done. Talk about playing at the right time, at the right speed, with the right intention when your contract is up and uh, ready to be negotiated. Off the back of an outstanding performance on the weekend, he's now signed a two-year, $1.6 million extension. So it keeps him at the Titans until the end of 2025. The Raiders had reportedly offered $900,000 a year, so hundred grand more per year but he's decided to stay where he is and it's an important signing too in the scheme of things and back to our chat with Billy Moore that's coming up the scheme of things of what's going on up there in Queensland so the Gold Coast Titans trying to stave off the Broncos who entered the bidding here because the Dolphins got under the Broncos skin and got Tom Flegler and Herbie Farnworth for next year it meant the Broncos have more room in their salary cap to throw more money at a player like David Fafita. I'm going to pose a question a little bit later on to you, and I want you to buy into this one around the timing to be a rugby league player right now. Do you reckon it's the best time to be a rugby league player who's coming off contract early on in your career if you're David Fafita, just in rugby league terms alone, look at the options he's got, or he had an option to stay at the Gold Coast Titans for $1.6 million for two years, an option to go to the Canberra Raiders 
for more money and quite possibly more money on the table from the Broncos as well. And let's not forget that Rugby Union, on another front, is also hovering around. Keep that one in your mind, 0457 736 736. And I'm going to challenge you this morning to put on your manager's hat and give players advice right now. It appears as though the advice is not forthcoming at the moment for Mitchell Moses and for the Parramatta Reels. And this uh, kind of blew up yesterday. You could just see Mitchell's body language changing as he was pressed by the press on where it's all at and what's dragging it on. And in the end, he was just over it. Um, The 28-year-old, he hit back yesterday, as I said, in the media interviews. He said that he did want to get it done by round one, but he's leaving all this up to his management. Now, it appears as though it's either five years or four years. And if you are his manager, you're looking for five years. However, it appears as though four years is on the table. Forget about the money. The money appears to be done and dusted, but it's another year of money. So let's have a listen to a couple of these exchanges. First up, Mitchell Moses leaving it to the management. These things take time and, yeah, I've just left it with my management and they've let me fully focus on football. But these things take time, but, you know, hopefully it's done soon. I don't know if it's being greedy. It's People don't know about the numbers that are involved in the thing. People are just guessing. Journalists are guessing. Reporters are guessing what the numbers are. They've got no idea. No, we don't. You're spot on, Mitchell. We, we absolutely don't. And I get the fact that you're leaving it up to the management. That's why you have a manager. But you also direct your manager. Your manager doesn't pick up the phone and say, you're going here, unless you've got a different relationship. And in this case, he has a relationship with his manager. It's his uncle. So we don't know the numbers. We don't know the discussions. But it is playing out in public. Now, remember that on February 7, Mitchell Moses told NCA NCA Newswire, I would like it done before the start of the year. That led to the headlines, Moses wants it wrapped up before the NRL season starts. So he was pressed on that yesterday. I didn't put a deadline on it. I would have liked it to happen then, but I didn't put a... It wasn't like I was going to say, you know, it has to be done. I would have loved it to be done by then, but... Um, like I said, these things take time. And What's dragging on? You said you'd like to get it done by round. Yeah, but I've still got another year on my contract, so that's that's people talking. Okay, but you don't think that's unfair? Unfair on what way? On, on them, you're saying they're doing a good job, though. Yeah, yeah they, that's their job to do. And these things take time. Not annoyed. Those just those questions there are a bit annoying. So there you go. Uh, not annoying, but those questions there were annoying. And seriously, when you take a look at it, you can see him starting to to arc up. Uh, a fair bit about it. So would like to get it done. I didn't say that it has to be done by round one. Like I said, you want to direct your management to make a decision. Your manager's there to take all the heat off you, let play footy, we'll go and sort it all out, do the knuckling with the clubs and try and sort out money and conditions and all that kind of stuff. That's why you have a manager. That's why a manager gets a percentage of the cut of what you're making. They're there to do a job. But can you have it both ways here? Because Mitchell Moses has to direct his management to make this decision and he's going to have to let Parramatta know when the decision is made. You know what the kicker is in all of this? What he said in the middle. I've still got another year on my contract. Still got another year on my contract. And here we are at the start of March talking about a deal that's going to kick in after the year finishes. So that falls back on the game. And we've had this discussion before. Game, NRL, get it right. We don't have these discussions. We don't have this drag on. You don't have a player in this situation. And a club 
in this situation. They've got to sort themselves out, Parramatta, for the next four to five years. What if this money all of a sudden becomes available that they didn't think was going to be available? Or what if it all gets absorbed up and then they've got to make their salary cap decisions down the track? There appears to be a bit of both ways here. Mitchell Moses doesn't like getting pushed about it, but he did say that he'd like it done before the start of the year. He says, my management, I leave it all up to them, but he's the player who directs the manager. He says, I've got to, still got another year on my contract because the game allows you to be in this silly position where the club can just be left hanging, essentially, whilst there's another year on my contract and we sort out what's happening down the track. Parramatta fans, are you over it like Mitchell Moses is? I understand why he bristled yesterday, but you can't have it both ways. Sooner or later, a decision's going to have to be made and the decision will have to come from Mitchell Moses or the Parramatta Eels. Is it dragging on too much, Para fans? Is it a distraction for you? And is the real key here the fact that he's talking, we're talking all about this, and he's still got another year on his contract? In team news, we won't have Kieran Foran at the Titans when uh, Teamless Tuesday comes out this afternoon. A knee injury there against the West Tigers on Sunday. So he's set to be sidelined for the match against the Dragons this Sunday. That's a big blow for the Gold Coast Titans. Now, Wade Graham has decided to seek a downgrade for his hit on Davey Mowali. So Wade will front the judiciary tonight. The Sharks are going to seek a downgrade. He'll plead not guilty to the grade one reckless charge that's in front of him. If he fails that, he gets four weeks on the sidelines. This is the interesting part. He can plead guilty to the careless charge and his team can nominate the grading to go with it. So this is where the gamble comes in. You've got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. If they say we're going to plead guilty to a grade one careless charge and the judiciary panel says, okay, we'll, we'll cop that, he walks away with a fine of $1,000. If he fails initially pleading not guilty to the grade one reckless charge, he walks, well, he doesn't walk away. He faces four weeks on the sidelines, a whole month of footy gone. That's the gamble. Jordan Rappiner and Canberra didn't take the gamble. They've accepted a grade one shoulder charge on Scott Drinkwater in that clash against the Cowboys. So Rappiner's third similar offence. He'll be due back in round five, which is when the Raiders have the Panthers. Now, the head injury assessment issue and the independent doctor. We covered this yesterday. We spoke to Dr. Nathan Gibbs about this yesterday. And we got Matty Johns' thoughts on this as well. And he was quite forthright in his opinion. The Daily Telly report this morning says the RLPA is in discussions about the possibility of mandatory stand-downs now after a player suffers a concussion. So here's how it works. NRL players automatically get 11 days you have to sit out. But you can return earlier if you're cleared by, the, by an independent doctor. So 11 days, but if you're cleared by the independent doctor, you can come back. In AFL, a player diagnosed with a concussion has to miss at least one match. That's it. You have to miss that at least one match. No clearance, doesn't matter. World Rugby has now extended its rest period from 7 to 12 days. Doesn't matter. It's mandatory. So one match for AFL at least, uh, 12 days in rugby union that you have to miss. NRL players at the moment, 11 days, but you can return earlier if the independent doctor says so. 
On the independent doctor issue, after the players had their say and coaches had their say across the weekend, well, yesterday, Bulldogs uh, star Jacob Carraz had this to say, and he was one of those involved in being taken off the field. Here's Jacob Carraz. Yeah, well, I think, obviously, over the last couple of years, been lots of um, head knocks and stuff like that, and obviously, after careers, lots of players um, suffering from that. So I understand um, the intentions, but I felt fine. I think after the run, I made an offload. I remember making an offload, so I, I did feel really fine. But um, whatever they did see, I think it was only in their good intentions, obviously, look after me. But, yeah, obviously, as a player, like, in the moment, I was frustrated. I wanted to get back on. But after it, I realised, like, you know, they're just trying to look after us. And, um, yeah, I understand it was a crucial moment. But, yeah, there's nothing I can do. As Matty Johns pointed out yesterday, there's not a player in the world who wants to go off um, the field. And we saw that across the weekend, and you'll continue to see that. And that's exactly what they're wired to do. But it's refreshing to hear Jacob Carraz say, look, I, you know, it wasn't the ideal situation, but I understand the good intentions here. The NRL's head of football, Graham Annesley, did his first address of the 2023 season. Covered a whole range of issues, Graham. And the one about the independent doctors and their position in the game and those that are around them, and we could explain that a little bit later on, um, well, they're here to stay. Here's Graham Annesley. I'm comfortable with the way everything was handled over the course of the weekend. It's a judgment call that's made by the doctor. I'm not going to second guess the judgment of a doctor when it comes to the health and safety of a player. Um, we've seen too many players retire because of prematurely because of head injuries, and that's why we do this. No, no one does this to be a narc, to to you know take the team's best players off the field. We're just trying to ensure that players. Are safe. It used to be left with the clubs. I wouldn't say the coaches, but it used to be left to the clubs. And the clubs were screaming for us to introduce independent doctors. The primary reason that they were calling for us to introduce independent doctors is the clubs don't trust each other because there's all sorts of claims made about, oh, they were rorting the system or they took that player off and it was a rort, you know, he didn't need to come off with a head injury. So Graham Annesley there, he, he pointed out you'll get over a muscle injury, you'll get over a broken bone, but when you're talking about the impact of the head and the long-term repercussions that that could have well after a player has finished his career, then we have to take a safety-first approach. And as he pointed out there, the clubs were screaming to introduce the independent doctors, but that was an issue of trust. This is now about an issue of player safety and player welfare, and it's damn hard to argue against it. In fact, you'd be crazy to argue against it for a number of reasons that we pointed out yesterday. The, the biggest one being the welfare of the players. The other big dark cloud is the legal situation. The NRL has to protect itself here, not only now, but into the future. There's no two bones about it. So they're not going to budge, no matter what. And Graham Annesley was pretty forthright on that. Let me just take you back a little bit and have a listen to Ricky Stewart um, after the weekend, he wasn't the only one. Adam O'Brien had a bit to say as well, but here's what Ricky said about the issue of taking players off because of the independent doctor's call. Do you think I'd let a player play if he had a uh, concussion or he's concussed? Um, and I don't just trust the player's comments when he comes to the sideline in regards to that. But when he's down, getting his leg leg attended to, and I ask him, and his eyes, isn't, there was no fatigue and there was no pain in his eyes in regards to when he came off, he was very coherent. The RLPA, they don't trust coaches. All they do is want to come and talk to me about how much more time off the players are going to get and how much more money. So that was directed at the RLPA, and it was, it was pretty forthright. And let's not forget, too, 
that that comes off the back of an opening round loss for Ricky Stewart and the Canberra Raiders. Um, they go down by a point to the Cowboys, and he's not in a good mood, and that's what he had to say about that. My question, and Adam O'Brien also said, we're now jumping at shadows to get Kalen Ponger out of the game, which is pretty strong stuff too, coming off the back of a loss against the Warriors. He said, we've worked really hard. Ponga has to get himself back in the game, and now we're jumping at shadows to get him out of the game. I don't get it. Um, I, I want to pose this question to you because it is a tricky situation, but the coaches in this scenario, if they're going to continue down this line this year, they're going to run into a brick wall if they already haven't. And I want to know, what does the NRL do about this? Because if coaches aren't allowed to criticise referees after a game and they face heavy penalties after a game, and I'm not a big fan of that, never have been, I think you should be able to let the coaches have their say, let them get their steam out. It's all part of the theatre of the game. When they question the integrity of a referee, then you need to pick up the phone. And quite possibly you need to start taking action. I just wonder now, if coaches aren't allowed to take that direction with referees, should they be allowed to question an independent doctor's decision? A doctor who has resources at his or her disposal to try and protect the player's safety and the welfare of the player in this situation and therefore a broader issue across across, uh, legally the game. It's an interesting one. Do you think that the NRL is going to have to... Well, Matty John said to me yesterday, okay, here's what you do. If you're Andrew Abdo or you're Graham Annesley, you pick up the phone to Ricky and to Adam O'Brien. But if this continues and you're questioning a decision made by an independent doctor, where does that lead you? If you can't question a referee and criticise them for decisions made in the game, 0457736736. 736 is the text line. It'll be the best caller of the day, 1300 01 1170. All this after round one, folks. We've got a long way to go. A couple of other things on the table is Cameron Murray, the next target for Eddie Jones. So, Eddie no doubt has Cam Murray in his sights. Joseph Swali, he has agreed to stay at the Roosters, as we know. And Jones has made no secret of the fact that he likes Cam Murray, 25 years of age, but he's locked up for the next three seasons. So, back to my original question. Do you think short-term contracts are the go in the current market? I don't reckon there's been a better time at the moment to be a footy player across the board. If you're a manager, what's your advice? The Dolphins are now in to the NRL. They're looking for players. Other clubs want to lock up their players because they want to prevent a raid, especially if you're the Broncos and, by extension, probably the Cowboys and probably the Gold Coast Um, Titans as well. You've got an increased salary cap and a new CBA on the way. We've got possibly an 18th team in the next four years, call it. Might be faster. And there we've got Rugby Union knocking on the door with a home Rugby World Cup in 2027, a British and Irish Lions series in 2025, a new Wallabies coach in Eddie Jones, and the cash flow is starting to come in by all reports to Rugby Australia. So a short-term contract's the go in the current market. You've got to balance that up against locking in a nice long-term deal, depending on where you're at in your career, um, trying to make sure that you have a deal in place if you do get injured. But what if you are, which is exactly what I think Swali'i is doing, and if you're a Cameron Murray, he's already locked up for the next three seasons. 
But is that the advice you'd be giving? Let me know. Short-term contract or long-term contract and lock it all in. It's a good time to be a player in cricket. The fourth test in Ahmedabad will start on Thursday. As we know, Pat Cummins will remain in Australia. That stadium has a capacity of 132,000, the largest cricket stadium in the world. But let's try and work out why on earth the Indian Prime Minister needs 85,000 seats for his mates. Anthony Albanese will be attending. He's been There, there are 85,000 of the 132,000 set aside for the Indian Prime Minister. Is this guy the most popular bloke ever? Uh, popularity contest, Novak Djokovic is always up there in that discussion. He's reportedly been denied entry to the US, um, which means he's going to pull out, or has pulled out of the Indian Wells tournament. Everybody jumped on board. We've seen this movie before, and now the US government was asked for special uh, permission by Djokovic to play in the ATP Masters event at Indian Wells and Miami. It has an effect because if Carlos Alcaraz wins, he would return to the number one spot. Um, Novak Djokovic has won five Indian Wells titles. He won't be winning a sixth at this stage. Coming up today, Scotty Bailey from AAP will join us to talk rugby league. Billy Moore, folks, all four Queensland teams winning in round one. 17 matches for the Maroons in state of origin. So the great Billy Moore will join us. My job to you this morning, be the best caller on 1300 01 1170 and outdo the great Billy Moore. And I'll give you a double pass to go to the Newcastle 500. 0457 736 736 or pick up the phone. Give us a call after this. 1300 01 1170. Get to your text in just a sec, 0457 736 736. And the best caller this morning will win a double pass to the Newcastle 500, the start of the Supercars season for 2023. And we'll be there trackside this Sunday. Uh, so make sure you're part of that coverage Sunday from midday. Let's go to the newsroom. Scott Bailey's going to join me very soon from AAP. Just on the text line, the extra year Moses is referring to, Mitchell Moses on his current contract, is an option he's yet to take up. That's exactly right. He has the option for next year in his favour. Um, that's obviously if he wants to take it, but they're trying to get this deal um, to go further than that. Four years, possibly five years. It's a big deal. Let's cover this and the other issues of the day in rugby league with Scotty Bailey, who joins us from AAP. Scott, thank you for your time. Always generous with it. Mate, round one, and we've got an array of issues on the table at the start of a very long season. So let me start with the Mitchell Moses situation um, he's getting a little bit angsty about it he, he didn't like being pushed on a number of questions yesterday just basically was over it wanted to get the job mm. done in the in the management um, department which is fair enough in some respects but is this starting to be a distraction should we be talking about it? what's your take on this yeah he certainly did start to get frustrated a few questions yesterday didn't he um, look it's a funny one I mean I think you know the reality is this is kind of indicative of players using, oh, it's with my manager as a bit of a cop-out when it comes to answering questions like this or, or trying to avoid answering questions like this. I mean, he, he took exception to a question from my colleague at AP, George Clark, about the fact that, you know, this many games into his career and his age, surely he dictates his future and not his manager, uh, which I think is a pretty fair point from George, really. Um, you know, th there is no way that, um, that Mitch's manager and his uncle, Isaac, are, are deciding his future. Obviously, it is Mitch who decides that uh, is it a distraction? Well, talking to a few other clubs about whether they think it would be a distraction, they seem to think it would be. Of course, Parramatta don't believe it's a distraction. They're not going to say as much. But I think it's safe to say that 
everyone there, both you know, at the club and probably Mitch too, to be fair, would, would like this done much sooner rather than later. So is there an end in sight? I mean, we, we can discuss the whys and how fours around, you know, where it's sitting and how long it's taking, but is there any news that you're hearing as to whether or not it is the sticking point that there's perhaps a four-year or a five-year um, deal? And, and when do you think it does get wrapped up? That, that seems to be the sticking point. That was something that I think Danny Widler asked Mitch about yesterday. And Mitch again just said, oh, look, there are rumours or you know, something along those lines. It wouldn't, uh, didn't give a straight answer. But that seems to be the, the main sticking point at the moment is years. I think, look, everyone believes he will stay at Parramatta and that is the most likely scenario by some uh, margin. I think there is every chance it could be done within the next week. I haven't heard anything concrete that it's going to be done tomorrow or anything like that. But we're certainly closer to the end of this than we are the start of it. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if in the next week it is knocked over. There's certainly a willingness from Parramatta to get it done uh, very soon. Um, you know, and, and Parramatta are far, far and away the number one option for Mitch. So it seems common sense that at some point in the next little bit, this will be sorted out. But again, the longer it drags on, the more questions it invites. And, you know, Parramatta's got a really tough start to the season. They've probably got the hardest draw of any club through the first six rounds. So, it's just one thing that they probably wouldn't want hanging over their heads through that period. Yeah, we've got a bunch of text messages here on this on this matter this morning, and, and some of them are saying, and I'll read them out a bit later, but some of them are saying, look, basically shut up about it. This is all the media um, making a mountain out of a molehill, and until there's a story, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, the fact of the matter is, this is a big deal for a key player for a long time at a key club. So it, it is a big story, and it is a story until he signs. And let's not forget the Eels have the Sharks, the Seagulls, the Panthers and the Roosters in their next four games. So I'm sure everybody at the club, Mitchell Moses, first and foremost, would rather get it done. Talking about getting just it further done, on, Scotty, David, gonna, for, sorry, go ahead. So I was just going to say, just further on that, though. I mean, like, it, it does feel like every year or every second year there is a Mitch Moses contract story, but a lot of that is due to the fact that so many of his contracts are down to player options. Like We, we thought uh, I think it's two years ago now that he was locked in for the next four years, or maybe it was three years ago we thought he was locked in for the next five, whatever it was. And then it emerged shortly after that, no, it's actually player options the last couple of those years. So it, it, that, that, con- well, that talk and that drama is sort of invited back into the Mitch Moses contract saga all the time. He's not a player who ever has really signed a deal. Or maybe he has, been in the most recent years, he's not a player who signed, say, a, a five-year deal, and then we don't worry about his contract for the next five years. It, it seems to be that he signs a deal. And then a couple of years later, we're talking about whether he takes up an option and whether he's going to get another extension. So that, that drama is kind of invited into the scenario, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. I 100% agree with that. Now, just on that, so David Fafita re-signs with the Titans until the end of 2026 and by all reports had at least one option with the Raiders, possibly the Broncos wanting to buy in as well. I posed the question earlier, Scotty, Right now, if you're a player manager, and we can put this you know, back to that discussion that we just had, and if you're a player who's, who's in demand, who is young, who has options on the table, is right now the best time to be either looking at a short-term contract, for instance, given the amount of options, the possibility of an 18th team, that new uh, salary cap, the Dolphins are in the mix and sitting over there, just patiently waiting if you're in his zone, is Eddie Jones with a bit of a checkbook? Yeah, I think it's definitely the, the, a great time to be off contract. And you're right, like it probably goes against what I just said about Mitch, but it is also a good time to be signing uh, shorter-term deals because 
at the end of the day, it's not like there's going to be uncertainty around the cap for another five years. So um, if you're off contract in two years' time, clubs know what they can offer you and they, the cap's only going to keep rising through this five-year period once the CBA is finally uh, sorted. Uh, like you say, that an 18th team could come in during this five-year cycle or whether it be at the end of this five-year cycle. But either way, there is more options on the table and therefore that drives prices up. There's also more money on the table because the cap is going up significantly once they finally confirm it out of this CBA. Uh, so, and, and Eddie Jones too. Obviously, if you're a player who is probably able to be picked um, across both codes, like obviously Cam Murray we mentioned before, uh, Tolu Kula, uh, Joseph Suwali, so, sorry, Suwali'i has just recommitted to the Roosters or told the Roosters he'll recommit. But he was another guy who was eyed off by Eddie. So, yeah, it's, it's certainly a good time. to It's a player's market at the moment rather than a club's market. Let's put it that way. Yeah, exactly. Spencer Lenu, um, do we need an independent doctor here to, to make a bit of an assessment? Uh, you, you, you win a couple of grand finals with a club that's been the dominant club of the NRL. No bones about that. And we know that he's on the move to the Roosters. And, and but, but the comments about the Roosters being the pinnacle of the NRL for a number of years, I, I just wonder how they're going to go down. I mean, you can say what you like, but I just wonder how they're going to go down where he's at for the rest of the year. Yeah, look, there's two ways to look at this. I mean, firstly, it's a bit of the Brandon Smith saga all over again, isn't it? From, uh, you know, maybe more eloquently put than what Brandon did on that podcast about a year and a half ago, but similar sort of situation, and that didn't go down well. And it sort of that was the one that prompted, well, one of the ones that prompted calls for the NRL to change their contracting system, uh, which they've it looks like they'll unsuccessfully try and do that yet to get across the line in those CBA talks. And it's like the NRL being pretty keen to push it with Brandon Smith as an example of that. So that's there's sort of one element of it there. But then also talking to the guys at Penrith, and I haven't spoken to them since they sent to their new comments, but I know last week I was actually you know, talking to Isaiah Yo about how, well, you know, Penrith almost the example of why the contracting window may need to change. And he said, well, not necessarily, because you look at last year's grand final, that was Penrith v Parramatta, both clubs who had a lot of players uh, signed elsewhere before the start of the 2022 season, and they both made a grand final. So Penrith have showed time and time again they can put these kind of distractions of players leaving um, to the side and just got on with the season. And it's actually part of their tactic over there is they'd rather have a player sign, you know, be it Appy Corrissau or be it Spencer Lenu, they'd rather have a player sign elsewhere in January than have the contract negotiations rolling through the season, a la Mitch Moses or a la you know, dramas especially come finals time. So, yeah, look, I'm sure the comments weren't that well received, but they have a pretty good history of putting this stuff to the side and not letting it bother them too much. Yeah, um, just on the independent, Dr. Graham Annesley had his say yesterday, so confronted with that one for his first briefing of the season. I think he dealt with it very well. I wonder, going down the track, if this continues to be an issue post-match for coaches when does the NRL step in here Scott do you think that they're going to start looking at coaches comments like they do with coaches comments around referees when they're starting to make questions or starting to pose questions on the independent doctor's role uh, that's a good point I think that you know I mean with referees and them you just can't question the integrity of them or go overboard on your criticism or questioning of decisions and my gut feel is that's kind of where it's at with the independent doctor but at the same time, there's certainly a feeling at the NRL that, you know, the independent doctor knows concussions better than, or sorry, knows uh, symptoms of or identifying factors of concussions than what coaches do or any non-medical person does. So therefore, this is best left with the independent doctor. 
Uh, look, if, if it becomes something that we see time and time and time again, the NRL might step in and say something. But I don't think we're at that point just yet. I know Andrew Abdo was frustrated with the commentary over the weekend. But, um, yeah, we're probably a little way off from that. Just just on the independent doctor, though, a couple of things. Firstly, there is no sport in the world that is going to wind back its concussion yeah. protocol. So there is absolutely zero chance of the NRL changing. You know, uh, Andrew made that clear on Sunday. Graham made that clear yesterday. Uh, secondly, and I think a really important factor is that Graham pointed out yesterday that 14 out of the 19 HIAs done this weekend were instigated by the club doctor rather than the independent doctor. And obviously the ones that the independent doctor uh, instigated are the ones that captured the headlines and they were the more, I don't want to say controversial, but the other ones that yeah, were, well, they, I guess they were controversial in some ways. Uh, but, you know, to say that the uh, procedure has been taken out of the club's hands is, is wrong. You know, it's, it is still the club doctor and the independent doctor who um, can make judgments on whether players need to be taken off the field. And essentially the way it works is that whoever has the um, most serious grading of a head, not be it from on-field check to off-field check to ruled out from the game, uh, you know, from what they say on the field, they have the, the, the power to make the decision. So if a club doctor says, no, this, this is a more serious a head knock than what the independent doctor thinks. The club doctor still has the power to get a player off the field. Um, it's just like the independent doctor has the power to overrule the club doctor. I may have spoken around in circles there. I hope that made sense. But you know what no, I mean? No, like, no. It's not, no, I think, it's I not think, something that's been taking our club's hands. Yeah, and I think your point is, is spot on. Nobody's going to roll this back. So this is not going to get any lighter. It's not going to become a an independent Dr. Diet Coke situation. This is full strength the whole way, and it's going to remain that way. A final one for you before I let you go. Wade Graham, they're going to roll the dice there at the NRL Judiciary. Um, however, if, if he's unsuccessful, he could miss four games. Uh, what do you think happens tonight there? That's an interesting one. They've, they've pretty much just opened the book and said, look, it could be anything from a fine if he was to somehow get a grade one careless up to a, you know, if he's... Uh, unsuccessful, could be four weeks with a reckless and obviously one or two weeks depending on if, what grade careless he manages to get it down to if he does that. I think he'll, he'll struggle. Look, the reality is that um, we don't see many reckless ones. I think there's only one all of last season with Tane Milne on Spencer Lenu in last year's finals, but uh, the judiciary will point, or sorry, the NRL match uh, review committee will point to the fact that Graham left the ground, he jumped, that probably makes it reckless. That's what they tend to push towards when they're looking at reckless charges. And it's going to be very hard for Graham to argue that down, I think. Yeah. Good on you, Scotty. Appreciate your time this morning. Pleasure, Matty. Have a good day. Covered a fair range of issues there. Scott Bailey from AAP Sport. We thank him for his time. 0457 736 736. Well, give me a call this morning. The best caller will receive a double pass uh, to head to Newcastle for the supercars the Newcastle 500 kicking off the season. It is a quarter to 10. Let's take a break. Back with your texts and calls after this. 0457 736 736 is the text line or be the best caller this morning. Now, you're going to have some competition in that department because in our next hour of the program, the one and only Billy Moore is going to join me. We might have to turn down a few of our headphones and uh, alter the microphones because Billy's going to come out swinging. Four Queensland teams winning. Great start from the Dolphins. A man who's so passionate, obviously, about not only his game, but his state as well. So looking forward to that one. But be the best caller this morning. I'll give you a double pass to Newcastle, the Newcastle 500. A text on that morning, fellas. Do you think the Fords will sandbag it this weekend? At Newcastle, look, so much um, talk about parity going into this one. 
the only thing I really know about the world of motorsport, the, the, the absolute that you're going to get in motorsport is that as soon as the testing and the pre-season stops, as soon as that first qualifying session in particular starts across the weekend, it's game on. It's gloves off, game on, they'll throw everything at it. So no, I don't. I don't think the Fords will be sandbagging at all um, at Newcastle this weekend. I don't know what the results are going to be. We'll have coverage on Sunday afternoon, part of the SEN deal with Supercars in 2023. So from midday on Sunday, uh, covering the Supercars and everything else that's moving and shaking in uh, the world of sport. Thank you for that. Uh, Balo and Orange, a couple of texts from you, Balo. Thank you, and I appreciate your opinion. Not a story on the Mitchell Moses, just speculation from the media. He's entitled to privacy. All the speculation leads to talk of him being greedy, not fair. Uh, look, I think that was just one person that said that, so I don't know where that talk is, but I agree with you. He's entitled to privacy. Um, you say, put yourself in his place. Imagine there was this much speculation about your media contracts. None of our business. It, no, it's not. But when you are a public player in this public arena where you have membership and all that kind of stuff, these things get played out in the open. Um, Mitchell Moses is spot on. We don't know the numbers. We don't know the details. And it is speculation. That's part of this game and it is unfortunately part of this employment part of this business might be none of our business but it's part of this business i appreciate your thoughts on that one balo but it's a big deal for a key player at a key club and it's going to um, have an impact on salary cap all that stuff the sooner it's done the better and mitchell moses says he's right to have his privacy but he's also right to have fans wanting to know what's going on i'm not a Parramatta fan so i'm asking you guys is it a distraction um, some people think it is some people think it isn't. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Also plenty of your thoughts around concussion and the independent doctor as well, which we'll get to in just a sec. I mean, can you see in any world, can you see in any, any world the NRL backing down on this in any way? If anything, it'll ramp up as time goes on. Back after this. Yes, we are heading towards the next uh, news break. Just on the text line, another... Uh, motorsport question, this one from Damo. Awesome start to Formula One for Red Bull and Aston Martin. Do you think Fernando Alonso is a legit chance for the championship? Damo, I think Max Verstappen at this early, early stage is as a, as much as a lock as you can make a lock in the championship. So that would rule out Fernando. I reckon that the fact that they're on the pace early is great, but Red Bull are just blowing people away and Verstappen... When you start a season like that, um, it's it's a whole lot easier than trying to play catch-up for the rest of the season, which is the situation it appears as though Mercedes are going to find themselves in again. Um, great to see Alonso up there. I reckon it's great that they'll probably chip away for the season and he's going to be fighting up the front. But as you well know, being a Formula 1 fan, everything can change. Wouldn't it be awesome if he could um, finish and go toe-to-toe with Max Verstappen? But look, I expect Max to be the standout performer again. Red Bull have clearly got themselves sussed and sorted, so let's see how that one plays out. We're heading towards a big second hour of the program. Billy Moore will be my special guest. Make sure you stick around right here on the morning show on your home of sport, SEN. It is for sure on this uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, Simon Hill will join me in the program this morning as we take a look at what's been going on in the world of football. I'm very keen to get his take on what happened yesterday morning, of course, with Liverpool and Man U, but a lot of uh, local 
footy to cover as well with Simon. And Billy Moore is coming up. The tool man says, Matty, I'm sure Billy Moore was born in New South Wales. Uh, another one stolen. Yes, he was born in Tenterfield, uh, New South Wales. But we don't need to go over old ground. Tool man, we're going to talk to Billy and soak up his passion, of course, for the game. But let's go straight to the open line. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 We'll start with you, Jack. Got a whole board locked and loaded, ready to go for this hour. Uh, Jack, what would you like to say this morning? Good morning to you, mate. Yeah, g'day, Matty. How are you? Mate, look, I heard the Mitchell Moses story last night. I you know, listened and I heard what he said. And, mate, I'm a para diehard. And, yeah, I'm, I'm completely over it all, mate. I, oh, look, it's taken that long and there's another, you know, another so-called story every second day in the paper. Now, look, Mitchell Moses, do you honestly believe, do you call him a superstar, Matty, or just a very good footballer? Let you answer that firstly. And two... Mitchell Moses' last three games were one in the first round of NRL this last weekend, two was the grand final last year, three was the, uh, the preliminary final against North, North Queensland. All three games were poor, to say the least. Now, if you can remember that far away, Matt, um, no superstar does that and demanding 1.2 miles. He's got Padman by the short and curly here. I mean, I, I, miss it. I heard it earlier, Corey, Adrian, I think his name was. I totally agree with the guy. I mean, like, I just don't get it. I, I, I'm really, really over it. I'm, I, it's, it's left a bad taste in my mouth about Mitchell Moses. I mean, he, he's no Tedesco. He's no um, Nathan Cleary. He's no Cooper Cronk. He's just a very good halfback, but not a superstar. Demanding 1.2 by 5 million. Yeah, Paramount supporters do want to know. Has he done anything wrong? Not really. He's just going through his ongoing contract negotiations. There might be something we don't know. I don't know. But as a, as a supporter and many other supporters, I was at the game on Thursday night. Mate, what was your talk about Mitchell Moses' contract? How boring. I mean, like, the guy, he's, he's carrying on some kind of prima donna. I'm just over it. And, and it's just a bad taste in his mouth. And God forbid, if Paramount lose this weekend, the drum's going to keep on um, belting out even more. What's your thoughts, Matt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sitting here listening to all of that, Jack, and I, I can understand all points of it. I mean, I don't know why Mitchell Moses was was the designated person to front the media yesterday, but that's the way it happens, and it, it quite often falls into place when you've got this big deal swirling around. Look, I, I think it's a story. I think it's absolutely a story because of who he is, where he is, the deal that he's going to get, um, and the club that he's at, and the, and the time... Involved. He's a key player, mate. He's a number seven at the club. I, I'm not an expert, Jack. I, I've never said I'm an expert. I've got opinions and all that kind of stuff, and I've been around a long time, so I'm happy to share those. But I'm no expert. I'm no Brad Arthur. I, I'm no Tim Sheens at the West Tigers. Never pretend to be. But I, there's clearly something there that the West Tigers and the Parramatta Eels, and more so the Eels, are prepared to spend a lot of money and invest a lot of time in Mitchell Moses. So I always defer to those that know a heck of a lot more about it than this. And, and on the form thing, uh, I don't know what the answer is, mate, to be brutally honest. Is he a superstar or a very yeah. good player? He, he's probably one and I'm verging on the other. Just, just answer me this. Do you reckon they make the grand final last year? It's your team. Do you reckon you make the grand final last year if Mitchell Moses is not part of that team and part of that squad? How many don't make the grand final? You are, Robert. That's hypothetical now. Uh, that, like, like, yeah, yeah. And, but by the way, 
not we did lose a grand final. Mitchell Moses hasn't won a grand final. Parramatta haven't won a grand final. He hasn't played for Australia. Okay, Cooper Cronk did, and, and Nathan Cleary ha- is. So it's yeah. a it's a big it's a big big difference. Look look, people say that um, certain plays fit certain clubs, and Parramatta need Mitchell Moses more than Mitchell Moses needs Parramatta. I don't know, but 1.25 million. This has been going on since last what I reckon last August when we had the before the November one date. Due, I thought that was how we were going to re-sign him then. Then it went on to Christmas. I would like to sign before Christmas. Then we get the garbage before round one. Uh, it's just not. It's not fair to Paris supporter, you know. And yeah, I mean, we are sweating on it. Um, do I want him to stay deep down? Of course I do. Oh, boy, oh yeah. boy, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shoot myself in the head if, if, if he goes. That's for sure. Good on you, Jack. Appreciate the call, mate. Um, I, I'm sure they'd all love a Cooper Cronk. They'd all love Nathan Cleary, but it's an interesting discussion. Let's keep it going. Miles tuned in from Byron Bay. Good morning to you, Miles. Your thoughts? Uh, good morning, Matty. Yeah, I mean, uh, I won't uh, get on the bandwagon too much, uh, I suppose. Uh, it's been talked about enough, but I do want to talk about the Mitch Moses contract saga. I mean, I'm not a Para fan. I'm a Newcastle Knights fan, as you know, but as an NRL fan, I feel like uh, the whole contract talks, whether it's around, you know, Dom Young, um, you know, Flegler, um, Farnsworth, all these players that are going to other, you know, teams next year, they're not leaving right now. I mean, they're playing currently for the team that we're all supporting our own respective teams. And for me, as a Knights fan, I'm happy Dom Young's staying. We can see out the year, hopefully have a good year. But with Mitch Moses, look, so many different things to look at. But at the end of the day, he's playing for the Eels this year. Uh, para fans should just be worried about this year, not worried about next year. I know that there is that question of will he take up his option, but in all indications, it sounds like he wants to play there next year. But, you know, he's got a, a family now, he's got a kid. There's a lot of different things he's probably thinking of that he wasn't thinking of last year. So I think everyone needs to take into consideration there's a lots of decisions making in his contract talks. It could be his last contract with, with the Eels as well, so he just wants to dot all the T's and all the, or cross all the T's rather. So, you know, I get, I get that, you know, there's lots of, you know, anticipation with it, but He's not going anywhere right now. He's he's playing with the Eagles right now, and there's more things to talk about, like that caller has said, you know, his form, you know, getting a good, you know, sort of uh, feeling with Hodginson and, you know, the, the the team right now, they're struggling with a little bit in the forwards. You know, there's plenty of questions they could be asking, but the whole talk about the, the contract, the contract, I'll just leave it to the management. I mean, you know, I know Mitch Moses, they're saying it's a cop at him saying that, but, you know, that is what he's giving his part of his fee to, is to let them handle it. So when he does say, leave it with management the reporter should just go talk to management um fair enough if it's toward the end of the year and there's been no decision making yeah fair question but in round two he's playing this whole year with the eels um i think we're just going a little bit too far into the future right now to worry about so i just i feel like a little bit sort of too banged up at the moment to really worry about i think there's more things the eels should be focusing on or well reporters rather should be focusing on with the eels rather than just talking about mitch moses right now yeah, exactly. Well, that's the game, mate. That that's the game, isn't it? And and if anything, from the fans' point of view, it's the it's the reporter's job. Um, that's that's the job of the reporter. And this is a story. I mean, it's an absolute story, no question about it. Does he sign? Does he stay? How long does he stay for? What impact does it have on the clubs? On the club, it has, it does have massive ramifications. But it also shows the passion of the fans as well, because the fans do want to know. Some are just saying to me this morning, kind of on your way of thinking, hey. Let's just back off a little bit. Let's take a back step. Others are buying in. And to me, that shows the fans. On your miles. Good on you, mate. Really appreciate uh, that call. Have we got time for Trevor? Let's take you, Trevor. We're trying to get Billy Moore on the line. So, Trevor, um, go for it, mate. Your thoughts on this? 
yeah, first I would have put I would have let Moses go, kept Marnie, put Panasini the one, Clint Cuffton the six, and Dylan Brown the seven. But that's me. But I, but yeah, it's my imagination. But every time there's a, a contract debacle that comes up in the media, there's one name that always appears: Isaac Moses. So, like, am I reading too much into it, or does does is this Isaac Moses' way of trying to manipulate the media? to get more money for his players and the media play to it. Mate, you'd have to ask Isaac. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have any contact with him. So if there's if there's any sort of form of manipulation coming, it's, it's not directed at this one, mate. I can tell you that much. But look, the manager's job is to get the best deal for his client. It's that simple. Whether your client's your nephew or not, that's the manager's job. And if the manager decides to do it, this way, that way, play it through the media, not play it through the media, want a four-year deal, want a five-year deal, that's that's their job. I, I guess my point, Trevor, at the start of all this, and I understand that, right? I've been in that world. My point is, at the end of the day, it is going to be Mitchell Moses's con- uh, contract call. He's the one that will direct his management to do it, and that's where it's going to end. Um, unless Parramatta decide to go somewhere else and and you know, peel off into a different direction. But the key here is that he's got the option in his favour for next year if he wants to take it. So then there's a long-term deal at play as well. There's so many different scenarios playing out here and I'm fascinated by the fascination in it because the rugby league world wants to know what's going on. Now, let me, let me pose it this way. For those that are all getting sick of it, if we're talking about a fringe top 30 player here, does it make any headlines? No. Nah. It's Mitch Moses. He makes headlines anyway because he's a damn good player and he could well be and is clearly earmarked as the future number seven for the next half a decade possibly at the Parramatta Eels. That's, that's a fairly, fairly big yarn. Uh, before I let you go, Trevor, I, I know you watch a lot of footy and you've always got great thoughts on it. So your take on round one, did you walk away from round one going, this could be the closest we've seen in a while? Yeah. <laughs> I only got two right for the round. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, actually, that's two a really right. good point, mate. I, I didn't really think about uh, who I got. I'm pretty sure I need to go back. I can't remember who I picked. I know I got the Warriors. I missed out on the Panthers. I know I got the Seagulls. I'm pretty sure, I, yeah, I got the Cowboys, I got the Bunnies, I didn't get the Dolphins, uh, and I might have gone the Tigers as well. So I, I did a little bit better than you, but it's a long season. Uh, good on you, mate. Um, thank you very much for the call. Really appreciate it. Continue to hit that open line. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the number. Kev from Camden says, Matty, why are the journos giving it to Mitchell Moses after the press conference yesterday? Surely he had no other option than to give the answers. He did. He has a manager for a reason, and that is to handle the negotiating so he can focus on playing. Did the journos expect him to talk specific numbers in public? That's not how negotiations are done. Happens all the time. Um, Pushback from players, pushback from athletes to journalists and vice versa. Sometimes it goes swimmingly, sometimes it doesn't. And you could see by the body language in particular um, when Mitch Moses, I don't know if you caught it yesterday, but find the uh, find the vision of it and you'll see by the body language in particular, there were times there where he was like, right, I, I'm done here. I just want to get on with it. Um, and sometimes that happens with nothing to do with what's actually floating around. Um, 
sometimes they just want to get out of that situation, get back to the sheds and all that kind of stuff. But it's clearly becoming a bit of a thorn in the side. And he was the man fronting the media yesterday. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. A fair bit of discussion around the world of motorsport. Happy to take any of these questions and thoughts. If I can answer them, I will. What are your thoughts, Matty, on the Mercedes side pods? Seems a simple fix for the downforce issues that Lewis mentioned. They are the only team who went that direction and have lost out more than anyone outside of Alpine with the new regulations. Well, geez, Tim, um, the porpoising was gone. Uh, the porpoising was the issue last season, which left me scratching my head. How does a team and a setup like Mercedes go into a season with a clear and present danger to the speed of their car? Uh, all of this revolves around the speed of your car. If you don't have speed in Formula One, as you well know, you're in trouble straight up. It sounds simple and it sounds quite silly to say, but it's the absolute truth. If they're starting, if they're starting behind the eight ball in terms of speed and uh, trying to sort out what was last year a pretty horrific problem of the thing bouncing up and down, then they clearly haven't done their homework right in the off-season. And if they have, the other guys have gone ahead of them. So we'll find out a little bit more about that as the season progresses. But I get the feeling that Mercedes are in for a long season and Red Bull are in for a season of domination. That's my early take on what I've seen in Formula One early on. Um, when you get it right, we talk about premiership windows in rugby league. Well, the window is so fine in Formula One. Week to week, day to day, session to session. But if you're starting the season like that, you're a long, long way behind. Good on you, Tim. Thank you for that. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. Kev says, Matty, my tipping went a bit like yours in round one. Anyone who got a full round is an idiot. No, he's a genius, Kev. I'd say it's a genius. Back after this. We speak about the passion of rugby league, and you think passion, you think of this man. 211 games for the North Sydney Bears, 17 for Queensland, and three for Australia. The one and only Billy Moore joins us on the morning program. Good morning, Billy. Matty, how are you, buddy? You well? Yeah, good. Good, thanks, mate. Now, listen, I've set our listeners a challenge this morning because I've got a, I've got a double pass to the supercars to give away, and I need the best caller. So I said, look, I'm going to chat with Billy Moore today, so you're going to have to outdo Billy on the best caller front because I'm, I'm reckon you're going, <laughs> I reckon you're going to bring it to the table, big fella. Four out of four for Queensland teams. Give me a, give me a take on round one of the NRL. Best round one I've seen in 20 years. First of all. I thought it was amazing uh, first up dig by the players and coaches and start to prep those players up to deliver what I thought was unbelievable. When you think about the seven games, six of them were legitimate contests until the last couple of minutes. Um, and, and then the, just the, the collisions, the ferocity, the, the intensity for round one. It makes you think, Matty, where do you go to from there? Um, and obviously all that from a Queensland perspective, actually from a rugby league perspective, was capped off by the Dolphins' amazing victory over the high-flying Roosters. Um, what a great first-up win for them. And I think Wayne Bennett summed it up best in his press conference. Matty, he said, this is not just a win for the Dolphins, this is a great win for rugby league. And I think what you've now got is in southeast Queensland and in Brisbane especially, you've got the opportunity to build a derby which will take the focus of that city and really lift rugby league to another level. 
it adds a new dimension, doesn't it? I mean, when you think about the rivalry now between the Dolphins and the Broncos in particular, the fact that they turn up in their own backyard and they'll be playing matches there at Suncorp, they get big names. Mm. Um, Wayne Bennett likes to light the fuse as well. So, you know, it, it certainly adds another dimension. Just just on that then, I mean, you're, you would love to see the Bears come back into the competition. Other, play, other people would love to see a Perth team come back in. I think what the Dolphins' introduction has shown is that it works and people have an appetite for it. If there's if there's to be an 18th team in coming years, where do you reckon the best home for it is? That's a great question, Matty. Um, and I'll be I'll transparent to all our wonderful listeners. I'm on the Bears board. I'm a Bears man, and I want the Bears back as the 18th team. A couple of things. There's the non-negotiables. What we've realised... If you're a St George supporter, you would have felt flat. You didn't, you didn't partake in round one. And Manly won't in round two. If you're a Knights fan, round 10 magic round, don't even worry about turning up because your team's not going to be there. So 17 teams doesn't work. We want to provide the solution. The Bears put their hand up and said, we will provide the most pragmatic model in sport as a solution to the NRL's problem. We will provide the 80s team. And all we want, these are non-negotiables, our colours, our badge and a history back, two games minimum at North Sydney Oval, and we'll go wherever they want us to go. If it's Perth, if it's the Pacific, if it's Port Moresby, we'll go anywhere because our 220,000 fans have waited 24 years and we are prepared to be pragmatic, realistic, and we'll go wherever we need to go. The other great thing, too, about the Dolphins' performance, Matty, is let me put a line straight through this point. Anyone who says there's not enough talent in the NRL to expand, you are wrong. That is what the Dolphins showed you. It's not about the talent. It's what you do with what you've got. And Wayne Bennett is the magician of making people believe and deliver the result. So there is enough talent. What we need to do is cultivate inside the pipeline and then bring in players from outside and make them believe and work as a unit and the Dolphins epitomise what you can do off only 13 months, maybe. 13 months they developed a side that rattled the roosters. So, mate, let me let me ask you this. If, if I said to you today, you've got 13 months to get the Bears in order and into the competition, what lessons do you take out of the Dolphins? Because clearly Wayne Bennett has been the key factor in that. Do you go looking for a Bennett-type character? Is that the most important thing for you? Given all your non-negotiables, what's the most important thing mm-hmm. for you to come out swinging like the Dolphins did? Create the right DNA and culture from the outset. So the key thing is the senior player group that you underpin the regime with. When you think about what he brought in, he's, he missed supposedly all these big marquee players. And you know, when you talk about those names, the Munsters, the Walshers, you know, they're great players. But what he did get, he got culture. He got DNA. He got out of the Melbourne system, which we know works, the Bromwich brothers and Kafusi. He turned that game just through sheer want, his, his discipline, his aggression. That's what made those younger players around him believe. Mark Nichols off the bench comes out of the South Sydney system. We know he can work. He set a tone as well. So getting the right senior player group, I think, Matty, is paramount. Yeah, it's great to get the, the marquee player, but they're no good if around them you've got a culture which actually doesn't have a bit of steel, a bit of mongrel, and a bit of pride. And I was there at the game, Matty, Half time, the crowd standing ovation, 33,000 standing ovation. And I think the crowd went, Well, that's great. If that's as good as it gets, that's a really good first half start. In the middle of the second half, mate, the, honestly, the crowd, you can almost hear them go, We're a chance here. And it just built and built. 
we had a team just talking about it. The culture of what you bring in straight away is what your standards will be based around, and that's what Wayne Bennett's done. The magic of him is he knows man management, and he knows exactly what he wants in the group and to create the DNA for success. Yeah, good on you, mate. Um, great to catch up. We've been pressed for time, so we're going to have to head off to the news. Thanks for your time this morning and your, your passion as well. I'll give you a double pass to the supercars because at the moment you are the best caller of the day. So you just let me know if you want to head up and watch a few <laughs> cars at Newcastle. On you, Billy. Stay safe. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Billy Moore there. Um, righto, folks. There's your task. You've got to beat that kind of passion. You've got to beat that kind of emotion. You, you just want to run through walls. But it does pose an interesting question, doesn't it? If you're sitting around and you're the North Sydney Bears or you're a team over there in WA or you're a team in New Zealand, you now believe that you can get it done. We don't know what's going to happen down the track with the Dolphins and what happens when injuries and all that start to play. But they couldn't have started any better. So they have now set the blueprint for the possibility of an 18th team to come in and not be left so far behind. And the blueprint is pretty clear. Some foundation players who you know can get the job done. They looked, they didn't look like they were playing their first ever game of rugby league, of NRL. They looked like a team who knew exactly what they wanted to do. A foundation coach has been there and done that. And all those non-negotiables, well, that's the stuff you work out in the negotiating room. But, gee, it's, a, it's an interesting template. Let's go straight to the open line. Andrew listening in from Newcastle. Good morning to you, Andrew. It's starting to get nice and warm up your way. Uh, what about the great Billy Moore? What do you think about an 18th team and the possibility? Yeah, and no, I love Billy's passion, and he did disclose he's got some interest in the Bears. But I think an 18th team should go to uh, another team in New Zealand, and I'll give you a couple, two, two major reasons why. One, it would give Fox a Super Sunday every weekend. They could, they could kick off at a, uh, 3 o'clock, which would be 12 o'clock in Australia. So you'd have your Super Saturday with three games and you'd have Super Sunday with three games. Mm-hmm. And secondly, we saw on the weekend, round four, Brisbane versus the Dolphins. We already have another local derby and, and the, the, the passion that that will bring in the city of Brisbane will be amazing. And you can imagine, I know the Warriors haven't been that successful, but to be fair, the Broncos haven't been that successful the last few years either. So if you had two teams in New Zealand, it would force the Warriors to pick up their act. And again, you'd have that um, like local derby, so to speak, of just a massive uh, weekend in New Zealand when the Wellington, whatever they are, playing New Zealand Warriors from Auckland. So I think, um, you know, we've got to grow the game. You know, I, I I wasn't a Bears supporter and I've got a soft soft spot for the Bears, but I don't think that's really growing the game unless, as Billy said, you could send the Bears to New Zealand or something. But um, I just think that you've got that second team. It's the Pacific where we're strong. So let's, um, let's make a real mark in New Zealand. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and I like what you're saying about the local derbies because they do add so much. I'm I'm always a little bit hesitant to start drifting outside of Australia. I, I think, you know, it's been such a long, hard road, and COVID obviously played the major part in it for the Warriors in particular. I just and the, and the the talent is over there, no question. So there's an answer for that, and your Super Sunday idea is great um, as well. So you know, putting my broadcasting hat on, it ticks all the boxes. I just worry about 
taking the game away from our shores to expand it. I don't know why. Perhaps I'm just a traditionalist, mate, but it just it scares me a little bit when we say, OK, let's just plonk a team over there in Wellington. What kind of effect does that have on the NRL itself? I'll say this. I'll say this. The questions that we had about the Dolphins, most of them have already been answered. Still a long season, still a long way to go, but they are a hit and they've got their support and people want to invest in them already. Uh, I know it's a home game, mate. Are you interested in the Newcastle 500 this weekend? Have you got time to go and watch some supercars? Uh, yeah, sure. I could probably yeah. find a, a Saturday and a Sunday. I've got to work Friday, but... Um... <laughs> All right. Well, well that'd, that'd listen, be fantastic. Thank you. Get up there. I'm not sure if you've done it before, but it's an absolute ripper. So it won't be too far for you to go. Stay on the line. You've won a double pass to go to the Newcastle 500, the opening event of the Supercars Championship. And for those that can't get there, tune in on Sunday afternoon. Um, we'll be having full coverage of the Supercars this season right here on SEN. Wayne's been holding on uh, nicely for us in Brizzy. Good morning to you, Wayne. Good morning, buddy. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. What have you got for us? Yeah, I uh, just on about Benny. He's a great. Um, I'm, I'm uh, when I was 18 and playing in the under 18 basketball and football teams with Alfie and Chevy and uh, a lot of good footballers. Uh, Benny was our coach with Daryl Vanderbilt, and um, as 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 discipline and uh, concentration, uh, Benny was a police uh, officer at the time. And um, if, if we ever on the camp, if we ever dropped a ball or passed a forward pass, as discipline and concentration, Betty would make us put fifty cents in the kitty and do twenty push-ups or twenty sit-ups for that um, for that discipline reasoning. So uh, he was he was, so uh, he was was he as quirky Wayne? And you were talking about Wayne Bennett was. Was Wayne Bennett as quirky back then as the the quirky Wayne Bennett that we see now? Oh, mate, he's he's unbelievable. Like we're we're fifty six, fifty seven now, and we're eighteen, and um, he was just a father figure. He meant more than just a coach. It was get your head right, your concentration's right, your your headspace in the right place, and um, yeah, no, he was he was a. A, a player's coach, a player's player's coach, and um, I still see it in him today. And the only ones who understand him and know him that sense is the players that's played underneath him or around him. So, yeah, um, exactly. They get exactly, down New South Wales. They don't know him like we do up here. Oh, we got a fair old taste of him, you know. Along the way, there's there's no question about that. And and those that you know, those that do understand Wayne knows that know that there's. There's always some sort of game being played, but you're absolutely spot on. I mean, it's all about the coaches. The, the one thing that I really like about, you know, what I hear and what I read after the Dolphins' performance was just how simple he kept it going into that one. You imagine the noise for the Dolphins' players and club and everybody involved, the media, the whole lot, everything that goes into it. I, I don't agree that, you know, people were saying they're not going to win a game. I don't know where he got that one from, but... You think of all the noise, and he's managed to simplify that and distill it down to some really clear messaging, which allowed them to play a game of footy that was better than their opposition. And at the end of the day, that's the job of the coach. Wayne, appreciate your call, mate. A great story and great memories. Thanks for tuning into the program 
Uh, really great to talk to you and please pick up the phone again. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Braden from Perth says, Maddie, I'm 100% for an 18th side. Bring it here to Perth. We've missed out for so long. I think it's about time. The old Western Reds. Just on the supercar, Sammy T, are your thoughts on the upcoming season? Excitement is really making it a must-watch event this weekend. Do you think it could be a demolition derby due to the narrow nature of the Newcastle track and the new car's uncertainty? Or do we think they'll take a cautious approach as it took teams a lot of time and money to get these cars ready? Either way, it'll be a great weekend of supercars motorsport. I think the first part. More chance of being a demolition derby than it does being a cautious approach. Um, and Sammy, the, the interesting part about that is you've got your team owners who will want a cautious approach because you're right, they've spent a lot of money and a lot of time getting these cars ready. But at some stage, you have to put it in the hands of the drivers. And the drivers don't know what a cautious approach is. That is a heck of a track. It's narrow. It's undulating. It's fast. It's difficult. It's a great spectacle. It's a ripping track and it's a great event. And I'm so glad that this is going to kick off everything. But... I think the interesting thing here is they won't take a backward step. 0457 736 736 is the text line. We'll get to more of your texts and calls after this. Uh, don't forget the Brydon's Lawyers, your verdict. Pick one NRL winner each week for your chance to win two and a half grand. Go to sensurvivor.com.au. Mr. Quintessential says, I wouldn't say supercars are my number one sport, but I do enjoy them. That said... Can't get into Newcastle because the track is so tight with little room to pass. Happy to be convinced otherwise. Uh, take the take the tip, Mr. Quintessential. You won't be disappointed. Put it that way. It's You're right. The track is tight, but it's crazy tight. And it's a spectacular track. You know, the, the thing about the Newcastle track for me is from the moment that we turned up there for the very first round, and I used to live in Newcastle, um, not too far from where they constructed the track, I went, well, okay, this is going to be tight. But you know what? There's there's rise and fall throughout this. There's sweeping corners. There's good straights. It, it's kind of one of those those uh, street circuits that's got a bit of everything. And you roll out the first round, you roll out the new cars. <laughs> Look out, folks. Um, the the 6 o'clock newsers are going to be busy on Saturday and Sunday night. Put it that way, with highlights packages. Righto, let's get some coins on the table and see what 2AM Tommy is buying into this morning. Morning, Matty. Morning, listeners. I didn't get to speak to you yesterday on air. No, you didn't. We yeah. had a fairly busy day, not surprisingly. It was round one of the footy season. Have you calmed down after the Roosters went down? Uh, no, I haven't. You know, I got laughed at on air on Sunday, Matty, when I, so I was producing and paneling crunch time, Sunday crunch time, as I will, all year. And... Um, James Magnuson, Steve Philp, Jaleesa Raps, they kind of smirked and they looked at me and said, Tommy, are you, are you confident? Because all their teams had lost uh, round one so far. And so they said, oh, you know, Roosters, easy win against the new team in the NRL. I go, no, this is not an easy win whatsoever. The Roosters had a host of players out, plus their abysmal round one record. And they went out there. They were okay in the first half. And then second half, they were, I'll, I'll use one, I'll use two words, mate. They were pathetic and embarrassing. And I think most Roosters fans would agree. It was pathetic and it was embarrassing to lose to a first-up team. The Dolphins looked like they had played longer than the Roosters. It was interesting to me that the word clunky was used because that was the word that I used to describe the Roosters' round one v Newcastle in 2022. They just looked 
clunky. And uh, we're going to have Webby on the program tomorrow. But if you get the chance this morning, check out Andrew Webster's article under the headline, Clunky Chooks Need Shiny Toys to Start Working. Really good take on the entire situation at the Roosters and especially off the back of that one. But clunkiness is, is not a word you'd normally associate with a superpower of the sport. Uh, well, according to Spencer Lenu, the, the pinnacle of the NRL. Um, but certainly that's a clunky start again for Trent Robinson's men. So they've got to turn it around uh, this week. Who have you got this week? Warriors, Saturday, 3 p.m. Warriors look good. I will Warriors be there. Really I will good. be there. Hopefully we can get the win. I'll tell you why the Warriors look good, because they didn't look anything like the Warriors of the last year or so. Um, they've yeah. got a good lineup. They've got a solid team and a fairly solid game plan as well. And players that are stepping up massively. Well, I'm still waiting to see it from Sean Johnson. That first try that the Warriors let in where Fitzgibbon went over in their first set, he just ran straight through Sean Johnson. So if you're the Roosters, just target his his right shoulder all day, every day. But um, let's go back to them. I'll get to the Roosters a little bit later because I want to tease something for the next hour, Matty, um, which I think we can have a lot of fun with. But Mitchell Moses' contract saga, I do agree with you. It is a story. Um, are the reporters allowed to ask their questions? Yes, that's their job, as you have, as you have thoroughly pointed out as well. So the th- thing with Mitch is, is like, look, he didn't put a deadline on it. He said, I hope it'd be finished by round one. It's obviously not finished by round one. There are probably some finer details around if there's a zero there or if there is a zero there or whether commas go before or after the zeros, um, which is fair enough. I'm, I am pro-pro players getting as much money as they can throughout their career because their careers are so short. They can get cut short with injuries and whatnot so easily. So Mitchell Moses, get as much money as you can. I am pro you. But can it have a negative effect on the Parramatta Eel season? I don't know about that. I don't – like – do we think that the constant question, because if this drags on and on and on for the next three or four weeks, do you think it has a negative effect on on what happens on the field? Because you mentioned with Scotty Bailey earlier on in the show, Matty, just how tough the Eels' next few weeks are. They've got the Sharks at home this week, and then they've got the Roosters, n- not in the successive order. I'm just trying to find the order here. They've got the Sharks, they've got the Panthers, the Seagulls, they've got the Panthers, and then they have the Roosters. So that's four top teams who finished within the top six last year and who were all tipped to go very well again this season. So I'll ask you, do you think it would have a negative effect on the field if this drags on, let's just say for the next month? Well, look, the, the only people who can answer that are the players and the club itself. And, and Brad Arthur as the coach will know if there's any sort of negativity flowing in there. Um, so they're the only players that can really answer that question. Is it going to have a negative effect? Was was what was going on with the contract um, scenario a part of a reason of why they went down in round one? Doubt it. No. Abs- no, no way in the world. So why would it have an effect in round two or round three or round four or round five when there's the, op- the options there already um, next season? What I saw last night from Mitchell Moses, and it, you know, you could you could quite literally insert any player into this and any given issue at any given time. But what I saw was, okay, I, this is just driving me nuts. This whole line of questioning stuff, I, I've just had enough of it. So that part of it is clearly done with. Does that translate onto the field? Only the Parramatta players will be able to tell you that. But then put it this way. You've often said it. Um, Matty John said it yesterday. We've spoken about it time and time again. David Fafita puts in a ripping performance on yeah. the weekend. 
And here we go two days later and he signs what is now a three-year deal to take him out to the end of 2026. Steps up and plays his skin out because he knows that negotiations are there. So I don't think that Mitchell Moses is not trying in this or is so distracted that it's trying to, that it's putting off him off his game, just trying to get that form there. Um, if he has a bad game this weekend, is it going to make any difference to negotiations? No, it's not because they're so far down the line. It's it's an interesting one. Exactly. And by all reports, he's going to sign with the Eel, re-sign with the Eels. It's just a matter of, I, I assume, how much, for how long, player options, club options, just figuring out those finer details. Hey, Matty, I, I want to tease something for next hour, if I may. Um, so we touched on it a little bit. Uh, Spencer Lenu has listed he's joining the Roosters for 2024 because he believes the Roosters are the pinnacle of the NRL. So uh, I've done, before the show this morning, and Mark helped me out as well, I've come up with 10 reasons why the Sydney Roosters are the pinnacle of the NRL. Why so, they are. Why they are the pinnacle of the NRL. I have got 10 reasons why they are the pinnacle of the NRL. So I want to have a bit of fun between now and then. If the listeners can send in their reasons, and let's, you know, have a bit of fun, but let's be a bit serious too. Uh, what, yeah. what, what are some of those reasons, do you think, why the Roosters are the pinnacle of the NRL, according to Spencer Lenu and according to me too? Okay. And I'll share my list next hour. Seven, three, is it is it in chronological order? No, no, it's just in because any I'm order. I'm interested to know what happens when you get to 2021 and 2022. Yeah, just... Send in, your ten, send in your reasons why you think the Roosters are the pinnacle. I'll share my 10 reasons next hour. 0457 736 736. Gee, we have got uh, a full board here of, of issues and discussion points that we need to get through. Still got an hour or so of the program left to come, and Simon Hill as well. You guys are fast. I'll give you credit. You're fast. Didn't take long uh, after Tommy's outrageous statements there. Well, he's going to back it up. Um, Stacko says, is that Tommy claiming the Roosters are at some sort of pinnacle? If I wasn't subject to mandatory drug testing for work, I'd ask for some of whatever he's been smoking. Um, straight on to the open line with that. Well, not only Stacko is he claiming there's some sort of pinnacle, he reckons he's got 10 defining reasons as to why. Uh, that was his little tease for the next hour. 0457 736 736. That's the number to buy into that argument. Uh, Simon Hill's going to join me on the other side of the news in our final hour. Interesting to see that now we've got 30 teams around the country expressing interest in a national second-tier competition. So what does this mean for football in Australia? Uh, We'll cover that and everything else that's happening in the world of football with Simon Hill. And, of course, uh, the global game is on tonight with Hillier and Broski at 9 o'clock Eastern Daylight Saving Time. 1-300-01-1170 is the open line number. Still plenty of your thoughts around expansion, around Mitch Moses, questions about supercars, about Formula One as well. We'll deal with that in our next hour. Welcome back to the program for the final hour. Simon Hill will be joining me. So a lot of uh, news around the football world, in particular with this uh, proposed national second tier competition. So 30 teams all expressing interest, and then Football Australia will whittle it down to a short list of contenders. So we'll get to the bottom of that and what it means to the game here in Australia. That is coming up. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. You know the phone line? Pick up the phone and give me a call or just uh, send a text on through 0457 736 736. Now, Tommy's put it out there that he has 10 compelling reasons that he agrees with Spencer Lanou that the Roosters are the pinnacle 
of the NRL. Um, so he's going to deliver those 10 reasons a little bit later. You're already starting to buy into it and keep doing so. We'll stack them all up and I'll put them to him when he comes on in and tries to explain himself on that one. Expansion is also an issue today. Off the back of our chat with Billy Moore this morning, um, who's always passionate about the game, but is in particular is passionate about the North Sydney Bears and is on the board. So we started to discuss the fact that the Dolphins can come in and have that kind of impact. So what do you do then if you're an expansion team? And in 13 months, I, the, the biggest question around the Dolphins coming into 2023 wasn't at all that they weren't going to win a game. I mean, that's just Wayne Bennett playing that kind of stuff to his advantage. And answering the critics is fantastic in round one. But Wayne Bennett knows it's not a one-round competition. So there's a bit more to play out on that. I think the real, the real key point that a lot of people had the question marks over the Dolphins coming in was the fact that they kept hitting and missing their mark when it came to a superstar player. And we said it here. We were on air here when the Dolphins were announced as the new team. And we said, right, oh, folks, this is massive news. Let's piece this together. What do they do around what, – what, what's next? Coach, um, then let's name the sponsor. Let's get the jersey out here. But the key to all this will be who's their billboard guy? Who's the player they put up on the billboard to say, this is us coming in? And essentially, they didn't get their mark in that one. And I think a lot of the questions around whether or not the Dolphins were going to be successful was, do they have a marquee player? Well, Bennett's already proven in round one against the Roosters, who were clunky, were clunky, no doubt about it, that the strategy that they ended up with, whether by fault or design, has worked. So if you're sitting there and you're now the Bears, you're thinking, okay, well, we've been going for a while on this. And what happens if we get to the situation where we get the green light, we get the tick of approval, yet we find it hard to sign a marquee player? Well, perhaps you go, hang on a second, let's take a leaf out of Wayne's book. He didn't rush. He didn't stress. Um, he built foundation players that know what they're doing, and it worked. It's working. I still don't think they're going to make a big dent in the competition. I've still got them finishing last, I think. I'm pretty sure that's what I did when we did our premiership picks. But I think it's been a great start, no doubt about it. The questions around the Dolphins in particular will come just because of who they are around the mid-season when injuries start to take effect and perhaps that little bit of glow uh, takes off, taking nothing away from what they did. Just on that, Botany Danny says, I fully agree that we need an 18th team. It's a bit outside the square, but think we need to crack the Victorian market subtly. Haven't the, the Storm have already done it? Uh, but then you go on to say, I'd have an 18th team from Tasmania and come in that way. Uh, okay, that's it. That is a bit outside the square. Thank you for that, Botany Danny. Um, some more around concussion. Okay, so we've had a good discussion this morning on concussion. In regards to the high tackle, it's a simple fix. Remove the one-on-one -on -one ball ripping. It'll stop the offload and players will tackle low again. Is first priority there to stop the ball or stop the player? It's it's stop the ball. Has been for a while. Ricky says the NRL doesn't trust its coaches. Uh, from the press conference, it sounds like Ricky doesn't trust his own players. People in glass houses, says Stu from Cronulla. Uh, he was 
a bit scathing or particularly scathing of the RLPA. And I see that Clint Newton has had his say on that one. Peter says, ultimately, uh, TV will make the decision on the 18th team. That's why it'll be in Perth. The WA time zone allows the NRL to show a late game live. Matty, thoughts on Perth? I, I lean Peter towards Perth more than I do New Zealand. I lean more over to the western side of Australia than I do to across the Tasman on the east because I'd like to see the NRL expansion team come from Australia. I, I don't think we need, as much as it would be great for the game, I don't think we need another team in New Zealand and I don't think we need a team in Papua New Guinea. I think we need another team in Australia. So if Perth fits the bill, the appetite's got to be there. The time zone, all that kind of stuff, yep. Um, we've had a crack at the Western Reds before. Does it make inroads into their into their uh, attachment to Super Rugby Union and Rugby Union in particular, possibly? Um, but, yeah, it's an interesting one. For me, leaning more towards an Australian team than somebody from New Zealand in particular. Thank you for that, Peter. You've got me thinking this morning, folks. 0405 736 Matty, thanks for the Supercars Pass. Have been before. It's awesome. Um, <clears throat> tell Tommy in the last two years the Roosters have won only one semi-final, and that was against the Titans. Sounds like a powerhouse to me. No worries, Andrew. Hope you enjoy the weekend. Uh, let us know how it goes. All righty. Let's talk football with Simon Hill, the host of the Global Game, who joins us on the line. Morning, Simon. Morning, Matty. How are you, mate? Good, thanks. I'm really interested in this national second-tier competition and the fact that... Um, what will it be, 10 to 16 teams, expressions of interest are in, and it looks to mm -hmm. me as though Football Australia are going to have quite a job whittling it down from more than 30 down to that number. Yeah, 32 teams uh, in total have uh, expressed their interest. Now, that's obviously a, uh, a preliminary um, move, and you know there's got to be a lot of assessment of financial viability, and uh, I, think, I think we're yet to really know uh, the monetary aspect of this and what it's going to cost the clubs. But uh, it's a positive step, um, quite how they're going to decide how they whittle those uh, teams down to 10 or 16. I don't know. Uh, there, there is some talk that maybe they will use the final positions in the NPL, which, of course, is the second tier, the National Premier Leagues, at the end of this season to decide, you know, who gets promoted, if that's the right word. Um, but it's it's interesting and it's, you know, it's something obviously that we need as a sport. Um, ultimately, you know, I would like promotion and relegation as well, but that's, you know, probably for for somewhere down the track once this new competition is up and about and, and proves to be viable. Um, and yeah, it, it's going to be very interesting to see which teams make make the cut and and which don't. And everybody's going to go straight there, aren't they, to the promotion relegation thing? But I see that. James Johnson, the uh, the CEO of Football Australia, said that this is an important element of Football Australia's 15-year vision for the game. So, so when when people who are outside of the game see this, have we got to just cool their jets and say this is you know the the promotion relegation thing's got a bit of a way to go in the A League? Yes. Look, it, it, there are all sorts of uh, issues that arise from that conversation, uh, not least that. You know, when the A-League was, was set up, obviously it was done on a franchise basis and, and the current A-League clubs, of which there are 12, have licences that go through to 2034. So that's, you know, that, that's your first uh, stumbling block, if you want to put it that way. 
of course, you can, you know, still split the A-League into two uh, and call it A-League two. You know, you, there, there are ways around that. Um, but the most important uh, factor really is to make sure that the clubs are financially viable and can not only afford to go up, but also that there's somewhere for relegated clubs to go down too, so they don't just disappear, you know, into a financial black hole. And, you know, with the greatest will in the world at the moment, not a lot of our clubs make money. <laughs> in fact, that's probably an understatement. Uh, so, you know, they, they struggle financially as it is. Um, so we've got to have a viable second division for those clubs to fall into and, and make sure that they don't just go out of business, you know, altogether. Uh, now, we've had a version of, of promotion and relegation many, many years ago in the National Soccer League. Um, but, you know, we, we ended up with, with, you know, several clubs going broke or, or being promoted because they could pay the bills more than the clubs that were there at the moment. And, you know, that, that's not a true promotion and relegation system. So I, I think there's a fair way to go before that happens. But there's no doubt that, you know, that should be something that we're aiming for because, you know, that that's what football is based upon right around the world. And it adds so much interest uh, for fans, uh, not just at the top of the league where you're vying for, you know, titles and grand finals, etc., but at the bottom where you're fighting against relegation. And it, it, it it's particularly important for, you know, our younger players to be exposed to that level of pressure, um, meaningful games, even if they're, you know, the rewards, uh, if that's the right way, is a negative. Um, you know, that's what happens all around the world. And we need those players to be battle-hardened in those sorts of situations. So it's desirable. Uh, is it imminent? No. But the, the National Second Division is a, a first step towards that, that's for sure. Is there a standout second tier um, club slash team who's putting their hand up who who has that financial clout in the game I know you're going to have Brisbane United's um, the, the head of their division bid their second division bid on your show tonight Rabia Kryam but when we look at what happened in the NRL one of the compelling reasons around the Dolphins for instance Simon was that mate they, they are severely cashed up like heavily heavily cashed up yeah. so and, and that's obviously yeah. coming straight into the into the top league so is there one or two that, that have a compelling argument based on finances alone? Well, I mean, that's the great unknown. Um, you know, some of the stronger clubs in the National Premier Leagues are the old National Soccer League clubs, such as South Melbourne, uh, such as uh, Marconi Stallions or Apia Leichhardt. But, you know, there is a big gap between the National Premier Leagues, which is a semi-pro competition, and a fully professional uh, national league where, you know, you're flying people around the country on a weekly basis. You're paying coaches on a full-time basis. You're paying medical staff, media staff. You've got to have your grounds uh, or your stadiums, you know, up to date to be able to cope with uh, media requirements, with, uh, you know, floodlights that have the right locks for television, all, all those sorts of things. So there's a, there's a huge process to go through to professionalise uh, a lot of those clubs. And the, the honest answer is, I don't know. Um, in terms of, you know, financial backing uh, away from all the things I've talked about, well, you know, maybe some of these uh, conglomerates, if you want to put it that way. I mean, Brisbane United is, is a new entity that uh, effectively brings three MPL clubs together. Uh, maybe that's the way forward for some clubs. I'm not saying it works for all of them. Uh, but maybe that's a way of, of pooling resources and, and getting better finances 
um, you know, together rather than as, as single entities. So it's, you know, it's, it's a great unknown, to be honest, Matty. And, and I guess that's all going to be revealed over the coming uh, months. But, you know, the competition is set to start in 2024. We've been talking about it for an awful long time. Uh, so let's hope, you know, once it finally gets up and running next year, that um, it's viable. Because the last thing we need as a sport is for this new division to, to be set up and it falls over within six months. You know, that, that would be disastrous. So it, it's got to be done right. And if it is, then it, it's going to be a major, major boost for the game here. Yeah, it'll be a watch this space. When we look at the A-League itself, Sydney FC, it's going to be a, a fascinating clash on Sunday against Wellington. So we're talking sixth v fifth, just the one point splits them as we head into, what are we, week 20 now out of out of 26? Yeah, yeah, we're getting towards the pointy end of the season now. And, uh, you know, Sydney are on the frit. Well, they're in the sixth at the moment, but they could so easily drop out of it. Uh, same with an, an awful lot of other clubs. There's, you know, barely a cigarette paper between five or six clubs in and around, the, you know, those final spots. Uh, Sydney got a big win at the weekend against Melbourne Victory by the only goal. To be honest, they, they were probably a bit fortunate to get the three points. They only had one shot on target um, from a goal from Anthony Caceres that Melbourne Victory were angry should never have stood because they felt the, the corner that led to it shouldn't have been awarded. Um, so they, they had a bit of a you know, get-out-of-jail game against victory. Um, but sometimes it doesn't matter about the performance. It's, it's about feel the results. And they'll have a tough test against Wellington because Ulfi Talley, uh, the coach of the Phoenix, knows Steve Corica very well. Of course, uh, he was Corica's assistant for a year or two at Sydney FC. And they normally give Sydney a bit of trouble. Um, but it's so important at this stage of the season that you, you keep winning and build that momentum get yourself into the top six and give you give yourself a good chance in the finals by by getting a home final. And are you ready to open the lines tonight and cop the callers? You'll have Manchester United fans crying. You'll have Liverpool fans gloating <laughs> after after what happened yesterday. I ended up doing just a little bit of counselling on my show yesterday just for some of those Man U fans <laughs> that, that phoned up. Yeah, look, no doubt. The Liverpool fans have, have uh, reawoken from their hibernation that's been going on for a bit of the best part of the season, to be honest. Um, <laughs> United fans will be in that hibernation. Uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those freak results. I mean, goodness me, who saw that coming? Particularly on the back of uh, United winning the Carabao Cup and winning in the FA Cup during the week against West Ham as well. Uh, you know, they seem to be a club on the up, whereas Liverpool have had a, a really indifferent season. But... Uh, Sometimes it happens, you know, in that second half in particular, United were, I mean, they were just woeful. And I see today that there are calls that Bruno Fernandes should never captain the club again, uh, question marks against his attitude and, um, you know, some of the, way, some of the ways he, he reacted uh, to that performance. So there's, there's a fair bit of soul-searching, I think, to be done at Old Trafford this week. But, um, you know, maybe it's a blip. Um, uh, maybe it's the start of a, a revival for Liverpool. I mean, it'll be too late for the Premier League for them this year. But, uh, you know, it shows that they've still got the weapons that can hurt uh, even the best in the Premier League. Good on you, mate. Have a good show tonight. Thanks, Matty. All the best. The Global Game. Simon Hill, Alex Brosk uh, tonight from 9pm right here on SEN 1170 and around the SEN network as well. It's 20 minutes after 11. We'll take your calls and texts after this. Welcome back to the program, 25 and a half after 11 o'clock. As we know, Wade Graham's going to the judiciary tonight seeking a downgrade for the charge that he faces 
um, which is a grade one reckless charge that he's going to plead not guilty to. If he fails there, he faces four weeks on the sideline. If he pleads guilty, which they're saying he will, to a careless charge, um, then nominates the grading to go with it. If it's down to a grade one and that's accepted and he wins that case, it becomes a $1,000 fine. So it shows you, as Scotty Bailey said, you know, that the, the, the spectrum here is far and wide. As low as a grand and you're out or as high as four weeks and you're out for a, a month. Um, Jason Demetrio on NRL 360 last night had this to say about uh, his opposite on the weekend, Wade Graham. I don't think there's there's intent, but then you can argue he leaves the ground. I think it's just that area now in and around concussions and head contact that the game's clamping down on. So, yeah, I, look, I, I think once you leave the ground now, you, you're almost showing intent and the game's going to probably punish you for it. I think that's what will get him tripped up. I've heard quite a few uh, of those in the game. I think Cooper Cronk said exactly the same thing. When I first saw it, um, probably like most people, my eyes were drawn to the impact point. And I was looking for um, that point of, of, of impact. And obviously on Davey Mawali, did it make his head? And then once my eyes were drawn to the fact that both feet of Wade Graham were off the ground, I thought, oh, I, I don't know how you prove that intent, but that shows that he's going to be in trouble. Um, Matty, there were 19 head injury assessments this round and 14 by the club doctor. Can you find out how many of those 14 were forwards? We'll have a dig around, but that's important that the majority of those that were taken off the field were because of the club doctor, um, not the independent doctor. And it's one of the things that Graham Annesley addressed in his briefing yesterday. Uh, we want to make sure that we don't miss incidents like that in the helter-skelter of what's going on down on the sideline with doctors treating other injured players and not actually being able to watch what's happening on the field. There is no perfect system, he said. We've got what we think is a very good system of identifying players who may have suffered some kind of head injury and they can come off the field to be properly assessed by a club doctor. Look, I, I agree. It's not a perfect system. I think it's a good system. And in what they're trying to achieve at the moment, it's, it's the system. And you're going to have these bizarre situations where players are going, well, hang on a second, I haven't done anything. Why am I going off? Yet the independent doctor with the resources around him or her in the bunker itself is essentially the eyes of the club doctor when the eyes of the club doctor can't be on the field and everything going on. We've, we've got to think of it that way. It's not going to be dialed back in any way. Um, this one on the text line says, so when you say 11 days, you actually mean 11 days in a normal round. This is the mandatory, uh, the discussion around the mandatory stand down for players who have suffered a concussion. So at the moment, you automatically sit out 11 days, but you can return if you're cleared by an earlier, uh, by an independent doctor. So you can come back earlier. Because, says our texter, if it's finals week, then there'll be an independent doctor who will magically decide the player has recovered enough to play the following week. Um, exhibit A, Cameron Murray at the end of last season going into the sudden death match against the Roosters. And if they bring in that rule, the grand final will have to be two weeks after the preliminary final then. So they're looking at the possibility of a mandatory stand-down period. Uh, will it change anything? Don't know. The AFL has you miss at least one match regardless. World Rugby has now gone. You sit out from seven days. They've pushed it out to 12 days. 
So back to that point that Graham Annesley made yesterday, we've got a system. It's not perfect. Um, and we need to continue to look at it, which I'm happy at in this situation. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. So 2 a.m. Tommy has has put it out there. Uh, off the back of Spencer Lenu's comments that the, the Roosters have been or are the NRL pinnacle. Well, Tommy being a mad Roosters fan, if you didn't know by now, reckons he's got 10 points, 10 reasons why. We'll do that after. On the text line, Matty says, uh, Matt, great to see Aston Martin showing great speed in Bahrain. My question to you is, if they have a Mercedes engine, shouldn't they be? Um, shouldn't the main Mercedes team be faster? Yes. <laughs> yes, Matt. Exactly. That's exactly what it should uh, be. And it's not. So there'd be a fair bit of uh, debriefing going on there. A, when you're looking around, Mercedes going, okay, what's our problem? And B, why don't they have it? Um, yeah, that that's the way it works. But good to see that somebody's got pace in it. <laughs> the key is unlocking it. Um, Braden, another one who says, uh, great to see the signing we got last night with Fafita. You beauty, bring on the season. Good to see some loyalty. He'll be there. I, I originally, I was reading this morning that it was a two-year extension, but essentially it's three um, because he's off contract at the end of this year. So that's 2004, 2005, and 2006 for David Fafita. And goes back to my discussion with Billy Moore about the interesting dynamic now that's around all those Queensland teams. Um, the Raiders were in the chase, and then the Broncos started to buy into it as well, but the Gold Coast move swiftly and have got their man. We'll need to see what happens tonight in Team List Tuesday. Uh, do the Titans name Kieran Foran, uh, Foran? It appears unlikely. So what does it look like for round two? Well, Thursday night, Panthers v Rabbitohs. Blue Bet Stadium, 8 o'clock. Can't wait for that one. Friday, Eels have the Sharks. Combank Stadium, that's 6 o'clock. Friday at 8 is the all-Queensland affair between the Broncos and the Cowboys. So one of those teams, one of the Queensland teams, will finish round two uh, with their first loss of the season, unless it ends up in a draw. Roosters v Warriors, Saturday, 3 o'clock in the afternoon at Allianz. The Dolphins are at Redcliffe at KO Stadium, and it is a sellout against the Raiders. Then the Storm will have the Bulldogs on Saturday night. The West Tigers play the Newcastle Knights on Sunday afternoon at Leichhardt. And the Dragons play their first game of the season against the Titans. This might be something with Manly getting the bye. This might be something we discuss tomorrow. Because guess what we haven't been speaking about over the last week or so? The Dragons. So <laughs> the fact that they had the bye took them off the radar, gives them the two competition points. There's no, there's no discussion point out of what happened to them on the weekend because nothing happened to them. So they've managed to just fly under the radar while everything else is going on, which is probably exactly the way they want it. Righto, Tommy. Uh, let's see how you can explain your way through this one. The Roosters, according to Spencer Lenu, the pinnacle of the NRL. You obviously agree. And uh, not only that, you think you've got 10 reasons why. Fire up. Well, Matty, I've, got, I've actually got 11. That's how good oh. this team is. That's how pinnacle they are. I've got 11 reasons why. So I believe we've got some music under the, that we can just play underneath this, Marky. Thanks. Just a little bit lower, please, Mark. Thank you. All right. First reason why the Roosters are the pinnacle of the NRL. They are the only team 
to have played in every single year of the competition since 1908. Sorry, Rabbitohs fans, you were kicked out for those seasons. We all know why you haven't played in every single season. So the old, they're the old, they're actually the oldest, loudest, and proudest. The Sydney Roosters. The second reason we have the best player in the NRL in James Tedesco. He is the pinnacle of all players. James Tedesco, the Sydney Roosters, the New South Wales Blues, the Australian Kangaroos, fullback and captain, Dalian medalist. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. In my eyes, the second best fullback to ever played rugby league. Number two. So the Sydney Morning Herald actually did some digging last week about the best team of the NRL era. And so I'll just put out some stats here for you, Matty. So the Melbourne Storm have the best annual points average per season with 34, with the Sydney Roosters sitting second at 30.8. However, we all know what the Melbourne Storm did for four seasons between 2006 and 2009. They cheated the salary cap. So there's an asterisk there. So the next best team, and rightfully first, is the Sydney Roosters. In the NRL era, the Sydney Roosters are tied with the Melbourne Storm for the most grand final appearances with eight and the most premierships with four in which they won in 2002, 2013, and back-to-back in 2018 and 19, which takes me to my next point. The Roosters were the first team in the NRL era to go back-to-back, 2018 and 2019. I could then even make the argument that it was harder going back-to-back in 18, 19 than it was for the Panthers in 21 and 2022. They got to go to Queensland in 2021. They were in an isolated environment, didn't have to deal with outside noise. Number five, we get the biggest names. We are a destination club. Brandy said it this morning. The Roosters are a glamour club. Sonny Bill Williams, James Tedesco, Cooper Cronk, Brandon Smith, the great Brad Freddie Fittler, Joseph Swali'i, Dom Young, and of course, Spencer Lenu. Um, I've done some digging and I want to shout out an account on Twitter at Sports Industry. In 2022, the Sydney Roosters declared a profit of $13.8 million on revenue of $80 million. In that same year, the Penrith Panthers reported a profit of just $6 million on $39 million in revenue. No wonder Spencer Lenny wants to leave the club. Um, Another reason, number seven, they are led by the best chairman in the NRL, Uncle Nick the Great Pilatus. Number eight, you get to live in the eastern suburbs. Brandon Smith has talked, has spoken about living in Bondi Beach and how much fun he's having and the great tan he's getting. A number, uh, another one, they have the newest stadium, the brand new Allianz Stadium. Everything new is better. And, no, and the last one here, um, the, and this was from Marky at the, before the show. They, yeah. The Sydney Roosters do what is right for the NRL. They do what is right for the competition and they do what is right for the other 16 teams. That is why they lost their opening match to the Dolphins to show that expansion is alive and well. Thank you very much. Oh. Oh, boy. So what do you think? Forecast today, partly cloudy morning uh, with the <laughs> slight chance of a light shower. Were you talking, Tommy? Yes, Sorry, I, was. I was. Just, I was checking the weather for our for our listeners today. You know, it's it's almost thirty degrees already, uh, a top of thirty four. And uh, the did forecast. You, did you turn your headset off or something when I was just speaking before? Yeah, tomorrow thirty degrees, twenty. <laughs> I tell you what, you make some compelling arguments. You, you certainly throw that. Was it eleven or ten in the it end? Was, it, was, it was. It was eleven. One. It was eleven. It was 11 points. 11 points that say that you are the – your club, the Roosters, sorry, uh, you're just speaking on their behalf, are the pinnacle 
of the NRL. Um, I don't know if you've got any, any more coins because I think you've just spent them for the rest of your season. Well, what do you uh, think? What do you think? What do you think? Uh, first off, what do you think about Spencer Lenu's comments? And then second of all, what do you think okay. about him believing that the Roosters are the pinnacle of the NRL? Oh, come on, mate. Like, seriously, you can't. You, you sit there at a club that you're at that has dominated the, the game for the last two to three years and you throw that out there knowing that you're going to that club that you're saying that about. I mean, I take it with a grain of salt. But why else that's would he what, say it? That's what I think. That's I don't know why he said it, but that's what I think. I think I take it with a grain of salt. It doesn't mean anything whatsoever. Um, as to your 11 points, I'm sure you could have come up with 20. Our listeners have already uh, jumped on in. I've thrown up and turned off the radio, says Tommy. <laughs> uh, thanks, Tommy, says Andrew. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, and there are all sorts of text messages on the line, as you could imagine. Uh, Tommy, and we've heard all of these before. Um, you're going to have to go, I don't know, you're going to have to go to a laundromat or something and find some more coins for the rest of the week because you've put too many on the table there. Uh, what do you reckon? 0457 736 736. Buy into that one. We've still got 20 minutes to go. The Red Hot Roosters got number 12. Uh, says we've won every World Club Challenge we've competed in. The number of that is four. Uh, what a load of chook manure. Yes, the Storm were caught cheating the salary cap for three years, yet we all know the Roosters have been rorting their sombrero for many years, says Bulldog Bob, and he goes into it as well. Uh, Tommy forgot one point. The Roosters' huge junior base. Oh, wait a minute. Ha-ha, says Tony from Pendle Hill. Uh, what's Tommy been smoking? Is Tommy finished now? Can I turn on the radio again? Yes, you can. Please. Um, do you want me to give just... There you go. Two seconds, and you're back with us. Um... Uh, this one on that from Black Stump Peel says, Spencer Lenu thinks the Chooks are the pinnacle. Didn't he just win back-to-back comps with Penrith? I would say they are the pinnacle at this point in time. I bet Ivan isn't impressed with him dismissing all of their hard work the last few years. Enjoy reserve grade for the rest of the year, Spencer. Uh, Black Stump Peel. I, look, I think it'll be taken the way that... It, but the, I, I reckon it would be taken the way that I, that I would have taken. Like, really? Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Um, a weird thing to say. Weird thing to say. Now, on expansion, Daniel on the text line, the learnings for the NRL and the 18th team is to announce it earlier than they did with the Dolphins. If 2027 is the timeline, announce it by the end of 2024 and give the new franchise time to establish its development pathways, feeder arrangements to establish depth and start negotiating with players and managers a good two years out from kicking off their life as a football club. Uh, I haven't put much thought into this, Daniel, but I guess all of that stuff should be happening in due course anyway. Like if you're going to put your hand up as a contender for an 18th team, and if 2027 is the timeline, shouldn't you be doing that anyway without having the announcement? Because all I can see there is if we announce it by the end of 2024... Um, I mean, how many times are we going to start thinking about players signing for 2027 with the new 18th team? And, and off it goes again. There was something both captivating and a little bit confusing about the the short time frame, the short runway that the Dolphins had there. Who are they going to get? Have they got enough time? Are they, is everything sorted? And it appears as though they have because they did have a lot of that stuff already in place. Um, the only thing really missing was the amount of runway to get those major marquee players in. So it may solve that side of it, 
But I think the lessons are taking away from what the Dolphins have done is to get everything in place before that announcement is made um, that you're in. And then you start building on your team lists and all the other things that start to come to play um, when you think about match weekend. Morning, Matty. On Expansion Football Australia, they are creating a second division under the A-League with 32 teams. Yes, formally putting forward um, their direct interest. This should be the way forward for the NRL exp- uh, approaching expansion. Well, we covered that with Simon Hill in terms of what Football Australia are doing. Should that be the approach of the NRL? Um, that one on our text line. Uh, timing is impeccable. Maddie, thankfully, I had to take a phone call just as Tommy was to give his 10 brain-dead reasons as to why his Roosters are gods. Um, I, too, believe the Roosters are one of the better clubs out there, but Tommy is a poster child for their fan base. Statsy from Freshwater. Oh, you got a phone call, did you? Well, Statsy, I don't have your number. I mean, I would have given you a buzz. I was looking at the weather forecast um, after about point one. I I did tune in for about point one, and then it just... (laughs) Off she went. After that, still a couple of texts here regarding the concussion issue. Matty, a solution for the head knocks drama. Why not add another player to the interchange bench, take away one of the substitutions to even it out, keep the 18th, or this would make it 19th man there, have the same rules apply as they have now so you can cover more positions. Josh from Padstow. Thank you, Josh, and thanks for tuning in uh, this morning. Boys, in the past at Parramatta, it was Gutho not signing. This time it's Moses. Why does it always happen at Para? Do they want to be there or are they just greedy, says Matt. Well, that was one word that was used, I think, once in this instance around Mitchell Moses. And it's amazing how the firestorm goes around it. It's kind of like saying, Wayne Bennett saying, well, everybody said we wouldn't win a match. Not that I heard. I didn't hear anybody say the Dolphins weren't going to win a match um, all season. So it suited him to fire that up. And I I haven't heard too many people saying that Mitchell Moses is greedy. In fact, I hear most people, and I listen to you every single day, I hear most people saying the player has exactly the right to do that. Get as much as he can, lock in his deal as long as he can. The fact that this one's being played out in public, in such public circumstances, is probably one of the big issues. Here, Phil on that says the issue surrounding the Moses contract is a beat-up. The only section of the community that seems to want this finalised is the media. He has another 12 months on his contract with an option in his favour. Whilst he would have liked this done prior to the start of the season, he's not required to have it done for the convenience of the impatient media, says Phil. Thank you for that, Phil. Uh, 0457 736 736. Jimmy Smith is coming up with the afternoon show. He's got a busy program locked in. Make sure you stay tuned for that one. And, of course, the run home with Joel and Fletch this afternoon. Team List Tuesday. Uh, Can we see any major changes to those that didn't fire in the first round? Some injuries obviously taking shape for a couple of clubs. If you're the Gold Coast Titans, you're looking in particular at Kieran Foran. Um, A lot of focus tonight on the judiciary. Can they get Wade Graham off at the Cronulla Sharks? It'd be um, one heck of a feat if they could. And then he lines up against the Eels on Friday night. Or is it a four-match ban? So that's Team List Tuesday coming your way a little bit later on this afternoon right here on SEN. And don't forget too. so we've done a lot of discussion this morning around the supercars this weekend at the uh, Newcastle 500, and we'll have more double passes to give away throughout the weekend. We'll start our SEN supercars coverage this Sunday, so live from midday this Sunday on SEN 
and the SEN app. Trackside at Newcastle, our team will be there covering all the latest news for you, speaking to all the drivers, giving you all the updates. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. The SEN Supercars Connection has been established and we can't wait for it to kick in at a great event, the Newcastle 500. We're back after this and we'll wrap it all up right here on The Morning Show. A couple of final texts before I leave you. Hillstorm Hillary says uh, the new team should be Pacifica Islander only, PNG, Tonga, Samoa, etc. Um, <laughs> gee, we, we hook in quickly, don't we? The 17th team has played one round and we're, we're focusing on the... 18th team of where they should be. Um, I get the feeling that I know that there's like a four-year time sort of frame around that. I, I don't know if there's actually a, a rock-solid time frame, but you get the feeling after what's been happening there with the Dolphins that perhaps sooner rather than later. But I'd just like to keep it in Australia. I, I think we could look further uh, afield in Australia before... Looking out to uh, Papua New Guinea, for instance, and again, like I said, I, I don't see the need for a second team in New Zealand, but I'm a little bit of a traditionalist on that one. Hamstrings from Narrabeen says, Matty, it's always like this in rugby league. New rules, the old school tragics, kick and scream, complain, ad nauseum, but the game's never been better. Get over it, everyone. We need to protect the future of the players and the game. Thank you, Hamstrings. The game's not going to dial back anytime soon on that one. Uh, on the show tomorrow, so it's Wednesdays with Webby, so Andrew Webster will be in for the first hour of the program, which means I get busy. I've got to come up with a funky new sort of introduction to him every single week. I mean, it takes a lot of energy, folks. If you can help me with that, um, do so. Gilly's going to join us. Good to catch up with him tomorrow. Adam Gilchrist, Sydney Kings coach Chase Buford and Glenn Jennings from Tim Zoo's camp as well. Jimmy Smith is coming up. His special guest, the Cowboys captain, Chad Townsend, and his talk topic, famous contracts in sports. So make sure you stick around and join Jimmy for the afternoon. Have a good show, James. Have a great day, everybody. We'll do it all again tomorrow morning. Bye for now.